All right. So today's daf uh, continues with a lot of agadita, uh, different forms. We are four lines down on Vav Amidalaf. So the Gemara begins the topic today by discussing mazikim. So mazikim, the demons, uh, which we mentioned yesterday, I think really is a continuation of attention. We mentioned yesterday that one of the schools of St. Kriyush Malamita, and then in turn, in turn to learning Torah as well, is that it protects a person from mazikim. So the Gemara talks about mazikim today. So the Gemara says, Tanya, Had the eye been given the capacity to really see what's around it, no person, no creature would be able to stand with Nea Mazikim because they would be too overwhelmed, overcome by the sight of all the Mazikim that surround us. Amar Abai, Abai describes it. Inu and Efishin Minan, there are much more, there are many more demons than there are people. If you want to understand the parable to, to, to feeling surrounded and claustrophobic by the, the feeling of being closed in by demons, it's comparable to the, to the furrows and the ditches that surround the vineyards. Generally, they used to have these ditches, uh, ditches around, around the vineyard, so it's like literally encircled. That's the point of the mushal, that we've, we're trapped in uh, by the demons. Amr <coughs> each one, each person, each one of us, Alpha Mismala has 1,000 demons to their left, 10,000 demons to their right. And that Pasuk, we really say, right? We talk about this in Yeshiv Yisrael Yon. HaKadosh Baruch Hu destroys the 1,000 on our left and the 10,000 that are our right that we say in Sukkot Zimra on Shabbos each week, that's actually a reference to the demons. You know, just to like keep in mind, the Rambam says that today, a person shouldn't uh, think that they're even on the Madriga to think about demons. Be- thinking about demons is Shayna Madriga because the, the evil forces in the world require a person to be on the level that they understand the sensitivity between good and bad. We are so desensitized to the difference between good and bad that at our point today, we have no, no purpose of delving into it or looking into it, the Ramah Marty writes. Amar Rava, Rava comments, Let's say you're at a, you're at a shir and you, and you feel crowded and you're not sure exactly why you feel crowded because there, there's enough seats. So why are you feeling so crowded? Minayu, it's the demon's fault because they're crowding you in. There are many more of them in the room. Hani birkidishili. Let's say a person has uh, like weak knees, very tired knees. Minayu, it's from them because they're constantly binging into you. Hani mani The rabbi's clothes, which easily wear. So if a person's working out in the field all day, it's understandable that his clothes wear out because he's feeding them to so much use. But a rabbi is sitting in his chair all day. What's the big deal? Why is his clothes wearing out? The reason is because again, the constant rubbing of the demons against the rabbis. And it seems like we should, you know, for Nachman just to point out, it seems like then you have to say that the demons are even more uh, are, are, are trying to entrap the rabbis even more. So like it compensates or else it would just be, you know, everyone else's clothes would have their work effect and the effect of the demons. It seems like their demons are out specifically to try to harm the rabbis. Let's say a person ever has like some sort of disease where their two feet, are, when they plant them next to each other, they're like banging. They can't, they can't help but bang their feet one into the other. That's also Minai, who such a problem is attributed to the demons. Now, As I said, Rambam says, it's possible. I definitely don't know. Definitely, I don't know. Says the Gemara. A person who wants to know that they exist. He wants proof. He wants to see these things. So what should he do? He wants to first, first he just wants proof that confirmation that they're real. 
let him bring some sifted ashes for the Hadar put them by his bedside. in the morning, so the proof that they exist, you'll see like little chicken feet inside of the ash. So that's proof that there that there is some movement there. Says the Gemara, Let's say a person not only wants to um, know that they're real, he wants to see them. Let him bring the shilya. The shilya is the placenta um, from the uh, from the birth of a of a, of a, of a black cat. Basach Masa, the daughter of a black cat. who is the oldest one in the cat family, the daughter of the oldest one in the cat family. burning the fire, pouring the placenta. then grind it all up, place some of it on his eyes. In his, he will be enlightened and be able to see these shadim. The person, if he wants a sword, should be careful to put it into an iron tube. The parzala is sealed with some iron stuff. Make sure it's properly sealed. What's the reason? We are concerned that the demons might steal it away from him. When he does this, he has to be careful to cover his mouth. It's very dangerous to do this. And a person should make sure that his mouth is covered. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Barbai, Rabbi Barbai actually tried this. Chaza, he did see the demons, the Izik, but he still got harmed. He was harmed from the experience. The rabbis then davened for him for it to be cured, and he in turn was cured. So it seems like, you know, this is already from the conclusion of the Gemara. This is very risky, very harmful, so uh, don't try at home. Okay, says the Gemara, Tanya. And this is once we mentioned something from Abba Binyamin, so we continue now with more Agarita of Abba Binyamin, completely unrelated to demons. So we're going to see a lot of this theme in Brachos. The theme here in Brachos, and this is important, that davening doesn't really need a shul essentially. Not only does it not need a shul essentially, it doesn't need a minion essentially. It's better, there's all sorts of milos, all sorts of better things that the Gemara will try to show about A, a minion, and B, the location of the shul. This is one of those Gemaras. The Gemara is not emphasizing minion. The Gemara is emphasizing the shul, the location. It's better to daven, and the, some of the Achronim and Post can point out, even if you have a minion, but better to daven inside of a shul. Why is that? Because it says, who comes to listen to the rina and the tefillah. Rina means song. So the makam rina sham tefillah. In the place of rina, there there will be tefillah. Why is a shul a place of rina? A shul is a place of rina. Rashi says because when the tzibur gathers in a shul, when to say shiros to sishbachos, they sing nicely. It's a very interesting Rashi. So some achronim understand Rashi on a practical level, and it means that when people gather, even if there's a minion or whatnot, but when people gather together outside in shul, the songs just aren't the same. They don't have the patience to sing. Whatever it is, the songs aren't the same. So the only place that's really considered a makom marina is the shul. Now, once that's established that the shul is the makom marina, here we're learning a beautiful idea that a Kalish Baruch was more attentive to tefillah when it's b'makom marina. And this is in a certain sense what the post can describe what we're trying to achieve with the Pesukah de Zimra. So it describes with Rinos V'sishpachos La HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that it sets up the ability to have a better tefillah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will listen to um, a little bit better. Says the Gemara, How do we know that Hashem, Matzwe means that he, he frequents? How do I know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is frequent? He's found often in the shul. And again, this has nothing to do with minion. This has to do with the location of the shul itself. Where does God stand? Where is he? Ba'adas 
So what does Adas Kel mean? Adas means, Rashi explains here in context, that it's the place of meaning for Hashem. Adas, and it's as in to, to, to meet. Adas Kel in the place of meaning of Hashem. So the place of meaning of Hashem is the shul. So that's where Hashem, so to speak, is hanging. In the Shlina, that's where it is here. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Matzoi Bevei Even without necessarily when davening is taking place, but there's just a reality that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Matzoi in the shul. Now another din. How do I know? Nothing to do with the shul. That whenever ten Jews gather together, that the Shechina comes and is with them. So this is a different interpretation. Here we're looking at Adas in terms of being a congregation, not a meeting place, but a congregation. And as Rashi explains, we know that an Ada is not less than 10 people. We learned that from the Meraglim. The bad Meraglim, how many bad Meraglim? Were there 10? So what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Nitzav, it means when 10 Jews are davening. How do I know when three Jews sit down to judge? So they're not learning Torah, they're making a, a, a court case. And a lot of times, this is very important to understand the Gemara, a court case is not seeking the absolute truth. You know, we have an opinions in the Gemara, it's an Edrin post in Bipshara Tchila. That means you're not even seeking the truth. You're looking for a compromise. You're just trying to make peace. But how do I know that when three people get together to judge something, that the Shekhinah comes with them, that amidst the, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they will judge. So there's an idea that the Shekhinah comes to the, to the court. And the idea of the basin being called Elohim, that's really a pasuk that the Gemara expounds upon in Sanhedrin, that the Psukim, when they're talking about judges, they call them Elohim. So it's a very powerful thing. How do we know anytime two people sit and learn Torah? Any two Chavrusas. When you learn Bechavrusa that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there, Shinamar. So here's a long pasuk we quote from Malachi. If you want to take a look at it, the side of the Gemara will be a little bit helpful. By my Gemara, it's Dalit. Those who fear Hashem, Nidbaru, they become enjoined, connected one to the other. Hashem is attentive, he listens. It is written in the book of memories in front of him, Hashem, about these people who fear Hashem, and think about his name. So we see the idea that Hashem is Vayakshev. He's there, he's waiting for them, he's listening, like attentively, like what are these, what's the Chavrusa going to say? That Chronim explained that the idea is that Chidushe Torah require communication with other people, the interaction with other people. And the ideas that emerge from Chavrusa is something that even HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to come down from Shemaim and sit with us while we learn to hear what are, what are my children being Mechadish, and that's something that comes specifically through Chavrusa. Then what is the meaning of the last word of the Pasuk? That Hashem is giving reward not only for those who fear Him, shemo, those who think in His name. My shemo, famous Gemara, Amar of Ashi, Adam Mitzvah If a person even plans on doing a mitzvah, but for whatever reason he's unable to, there's an ones and he doesn't, he doesn't complete it. The Pasuk he considers it as if he did it. So that's why the Pasuk emphasizes not those who do the mitzvah, but shemo, those who think about Hashem. If you think about Hashem, that's already significant and worthy of reward in its own right. Says the Gemara, Maybe you can only have it when you're a Chavrusa. How do I know that even with just one person who sits alone and learns Torah, that there's still a concept that the Shekhinah is with him? The Pasuk says, Wherever there's an idea as one person is mentioning Hashem's name, I'll come to you and I will bless you. And it seems that studying Torah is, is, is a mention of Hashem's name. That echoes the thought of the Ramban and his Pirish Dhamma to the Torah, that the Shemos of HaKadosh Baruch Hu themselves are the Torah. God's names are, with, are within the Torah. When a person is studying Torah, that's a process of azkir eshimi, of calling in the name of Hashem. 
And Hashem comes in response, Hashem is there at the moment. So the Gemara asks now the obvious question. If the Shechina is there, when, if, when we finally get to even one person learning, what's the Chiddush that the Shechina is there when two people are learning? So the Gemara explains, There's an added level. Remember when the two people were learning, the Pasuk says that it's written down in the Sefer HaZachronos. And again, the Achronim explained that the Sefer HaZachronos here means that Hashem, there's always greater novelty. When you're just learning yourself, there's, there's a limited capacity in Chiddush HaTorah. When two people learn together, there are new novelties, new Chidushet Torah. So there's what to write down. That's the point of the Gemara. Not just that, oh, because Hashem doesn't need the Book of Memories. That's not the point. Hashem knows it. The Book of Memories is a way of saying that there's Chidushet Torah that just became a reality now. And that's the point of why we learn If you can even have the Shechino too, so what's the point of saying when three people convene to judge a court case that Hashem is there? Says the Gemara, that's a novelty. Maybe judging something isn't Torah. Maybe having a court case is just providing peace to the people. That's not Limerah Torah. The Shechino doesn't come for that. That court cases themselves are an expression of the Torah. Very powerful line. Dina is Torah. If the Shechina is there with three, then what is the Chiddush that the Shechina is there with ten? Says the Gemara, When there are expected to be ten people, every single time there's a minion scheduled, the Shechina comes dafka before all the ten people has come. The Ashkadosh Baruch is so eager, so to speak, for the minion that he comes even before the ten people arrive. It's only once the court convenes and they're already sitting down, then the Shechina joins them. Whereas with the minion, with the ten Jews who are coming together to Dav, and then the Shechina comes ahead of the ten people. Says the Gemara, I don't know why this Gemara comes up. I'm not sure. Why? Oh, I know. I'm sorry, because that was the last name. The last name was... Okay, good. Why is... Uh, how do I know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wears Tefillin? Very interesting idea. Hashem wears tefillin. What's the source? The Shinamar, Nishpa Hashem Bino, Hashem swears with his right arm, hand, with his right side, it was row, was row, with the strength of his arm. So the strength, with, 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 the, with the strength of uh, his arm strength, so to speak. So Bimino, with his right arm, Zutorah, it's a reference, Bimin, to the Torah. Shinamar, Bimino, Eshtas Lama. Okay, that's a reference right there in Pashas Zulus that when Hashem took the Torah around to the whole world, asking if anybody wanted it. So that's, that's Yemin, it's a reference to Torah. Ubezroa Uzo, the strength of his arm, Ilu Tfilin. It's a reference to Tfilin. Why are Tfilin referred to as a strength? Shenemar, Hashem Ozlamaitain, Hashem gives the Jewish people strength. How do we know that the Jews provide strength for the Jewish people? So this is a pasuk that's promised us in the good things that will happen if we do the mitzvahs and parshas kisavo. It says all the nations of the world will see God's name impressed upon you. They'll see that God's name is on you and they'll be afraid. So what are they going to see? How, does, how do the nations of the world see Hashem's name upon us? The visibility of the tefillin shabarosh. That, that puts a sense of dread and pachad into the Goyim. So it gives us strength. So Bizroa Uzo, now it's a little bit confusing because it says that the Tefillin Shabarosh are what scare off the Goyim. And here we're saying that Hashem wears Tefillin is Ubizroa Uzo. That's a little bit confusing. But Tefillin in general are considered a strength, a matter of strength. The reason the head Tefillin instill fear more than the arm Tefillin, two different opinions. Simple shot is because the head Tefillin are seen. The arm Tefillin are meant to be kept private. The other idea is that you see the shin on the outside of the and, and the, of the of the of the bay the bay there and the dalid in the back. So most of Hashem's name comes from the tefillin shabarosh. Now, just to bring out the point, this is something that is mentioned that in Gullus, we don't walk around with our head tefillin outside. 
something like this. We're not trying to get the guy scared of us. That's one of the things that's mentioned in halacha. But for example, in our Israel, it's totally mutter. You see people who do that a little bit more. Says the Gemara, What's it going to say in Hashem's tefillin? Because in our tefillin, there are four parashios that discuss of our love and connection to HaKadosh Baruch But that doesn't make sense to be something in Hashem's tefillin. So what does it say in Hashem's tefillin? It says, It says how special Hashem feels, the connection Hashem feels toward uh, the Jewish people. Is that a praise of Hashem? Meaning, like, does Hashem do that? Does He single out the Jewish people as something that praises Him? So, it says, in 100%. We have the Pasuk as Hashem There's a reciprocity here. You make me unique. You make me one. You say, and you make me special. I will in turn make you, I'll make you special. So that's what it means. The Jews say that Hashem is special. We, 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 we specify our Kaddish Baruch as being the only force. I'll consider that the Jewish people, I'll write that the Jewish people are special. That is if they're the only nation in the world. There's no, it's like there's no other nation. No one else is like the Jews. The singular, the one nation of the world. So Hashem is doing exactly what we do. He's mirroring what we're saying to Him. We're saying, Hashem, you're the only force. Hashem says to us, you're really the only nation. We have four batim, right? Four separate compartments. So that explains one compartment of Hashem. He has that passage. But what about the other ones? In the other batim, what does it say in Hashem's tefillin? So he continues with many, you know, themes of blessings that Hashem gives to the Jewish people. One passage, Kimi Right, who is a great nation and speaks about the Jewish people. Another Pasuk, who is a great nation and talks about more that Hashem has done the Nisim for. That's two. Three, Ashrecha Yisrael, the Pasuk of Ashrecha Yisrael. Four, Ohan Yisrael, Lokim, which talks about the more miracles that Hashem did for us. And finally, Ulisitcha Elyon, to place us higher. So we have so many different Sukkim. So the problem is, if you were counting, we now have five, we have too many. So the Gemara says, Yachin Efishi Lutufa, we just added five. So what do we do? There's only four, four Batim. So the Gemara says that we group together a few of the Pesukim. They're very similar in style and word. So those, we stick both of those Pesukim into one, in one compartment. Which are thematically virtually the same. That goes in one compartment. That the fact that Hashem has done miracles for us is in a third compartment. And the fact that we're the supreme to place us as high, the highest that goes in the fourth by. So it comes out the four batim are there. Two of the batim have their own pasuk, and two of the batim have two psukim in them. So that is all for the armed filling of Akadish Baraku. The Ksiva Ba'adre. And they are all written in the armed filling. What does it mean they're all written in the armed filling? In the armed filling, there aren't four compartments. They're just one big thing. So 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 in the arm to fill in, we just have Hashem has all these psukim there together. The famous mashal that the Bali Muslim used to bring out from this Gemara of why does God wear tefillin speaking about how much he loves us? The reason Hashem does it is to inspire us to wear tefillin. And it's a mashal to, to a father and a son who had to be separated before the son went out to war. So they each so what Hashem, so what they did was they took a picture of them, both of them together, and they cut out the other one, they they cut it in half, and the son kept the picture of his father, and the father kept the picture of his son. And they were supposed to wear it right there on a, on a necklace. And they each had it that was kept with them, the picture of the other one the entire time to stay connected. 
And what happened was, the Baal Musr said, can you imagine a mashal? The son said, this is too annoying. I don't like the way it fits with my uniform. And one day he was going out in battle, and, and unfortunately, tragically, he was killed at war. And the father hears about this, and it, it pains him. And he clutches his necklace right away. Eventually, he goes to the funeral, he gets to the body, he finally goes, and the first thing he does is he runs to the necklace, and he wants to know, did my son die wearing the necklace reminded of me? And the pain that it brings to the father when he sees that it's not that way, that he's doing as much as he can to retain the connection despite the distance, that puts the father in a lot of pain. So I call this part, but the opposite, the more we think and we realize every single day, Hashem is putting on tefillin, speaking about how much he loves me, how inspiring that is to us to say, wow, let me reciprocate and have this idea and speak of it uh, and put on my tefillin. That speaks about Allah for Akalish Baruch, who says the Gemara, We know that Hashem is now in the Shul. So anyone who usually comes to Shul, but one day he doesn't make it. Akalish Baruch, Akalish Baruch, who asks about him. It's scary. Who is amongst you those who fear God? Meaning, someone who usually comes. Those who is a Yare Hashem. And then suddenly, he's walking in the darkness and he doesn't find light. So that's um, who is amongst you, those who do fear Hashem and do the right thing. But when the one day they don't come, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, who is this? Where is he in the dark now and there's no light? Meaning, if he has a good reason he didn't come to Shul, he has a Dvar Mitzvah, so then he has still the light. But if he thought to himself, yeah, let me go do something else enjoyable or business-wise, there's some we showed him say that was unnecessary. He just didn't, didn't really need to do it, but he thought, yeah, maybe I'll try something new. Then he doesn't have the light. When you interpret the end of the Pasuk to mean that the, the reason why it's Enogalo is because he should have trusted more in Hashem. The idea of trying to start something new and saying, well, I'll give up on my shul time because maybe I'll do better if I try this new thing. The reason why he's not in the light is because Yiftach B'Shem Hashem. The imperative should have been he should have trusted more in God and stuck to what he had. And instead, that's why he is not finding the light. Says the Gemara, Let's say Hashem comes to shul. And remember, Hashem comes when a minion is expected. Hashem comes before the minion. So if Hashem comes, he doesn't find ten, he gets upset right away. So I thought that this Gemara is a contradiction. Because earlier we said, Dafka Hashem, make sure to come before the minion. And the Lashon here in the Gemara is, he comes to Shul, doesn't find ten, immediately he's upset. How can you be immediately upset? I don't know, so like I'm funny in, the, in the, how the themes go. I get the overall picture that it upsets Hashem when a minion is scheduled and there's no minion. But I, the, the language is a little bothersome. So, so, so it says that he gets upset. Why am I coming to Shul? No one is calling out. No one is answering. That's what the Navi says at the end of before the Chorban Abayas. So we're picking up and we're saying in the Mikdash Ma'at, so too, if Hashem comes to the Shul, it pains HaKadosh Baruch Says the Gemara Rechal Bar Puna. This is the Makar. Very, it's actually, this, this Gemara is quoted up Yalach. It's Allah Gemara. Anyone who's so that means that he has a set place where he davens. Now, it's an interesting thing. Some Rishonim say that this only applies when you're not davening in a shul. Because when you're davening at home, there's things that are very distracting, you're very familiar, you need something to get you in the zone. So when you daven at home, it's very important that you have a makom kavua. But when you're davening in a shul, the shul itself is a kfiyas for tefillah. So there's no din makom kavua inside of a shul. Other Rishonim, and it's suggested the halacha, but it's only a chumrah, is that even in shul itself, it's better if you daven be makom kavua. 
The God of Avram will, will help you. Look at this humble, pious person who was from the disciples of Avram. Avram of Avinu shows us the power of setting a set place for David. Avram gets up in the morning to the place that he had stood. So this is the Pasuk that is a reference to the institution of Silas Shachris. The Gemara and Chavavim base quotes this Pasuk as the source for Shachris. Avravinu is getting up early and doing what? He's metakim tefillah Shachris. But it says he stands in the place where he had stood. Where had he stood? This is right after he prays for Sodom to be saved. Standing is reference to Tefillah as it says, Yet Pinchos Davin and he prays. So Avram Davka was Mesachin Chakras in the place where he had previously Davin for Sodom to be saved. That now is a source for us to be Kovea Makom Latfila. Says the Gemara, Someone leaving a shul, it's considered a respectful thing to um, not walk out with, with, with long strides. In other words, don't run, don't, speak, don't run out of the shul to show that you know, you'd rather obviously stay more in shul. That rule is true only when you're leaving a shul. But when you're going to a shul, the exact opposite. Mitzvah It's actually a mitzvah to run. So it's not that Psiya Gasa unto itself is wrong, but it's leaving the shul that it's wrong. Where do we see that it's good to run to shul? Shnemar, near Defah, we pursue, we chase, Ladas as Hashem, to go know Hashem. So that's what we're doing. We're going to shul, we're trying to go know Hashem. So the Pasuk is describing it. So we're using that Pasuk as near Defah. It's like, and like, Lerdov, not only that, it means to like chase something down. It's like trying to say like HaKadosh Baruch Hu is elusive and you don't always feel like you can get to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But the outward expression of near default, feeling like you're chasing it down, puts one in the zone, it's proper expression uh, uh, of, of what we're trying to accomplish. So the Pasuk, the Abai is now saying that it's actually a mitzvah to run. Rabzeira says like this, originally when I would observe the rabbis who were running to Ashir on Shabbos, Mina Kamachal Rabbanon Shabbos, I commented that it appears that the rabbis are, 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 are being mechal the Shabbos. Why? Because the Pasuk in Yeshaya says, in Tashem Yishabbos Raglecha, in Tashem Yishabbos Raglecha means, the Gemara interprets, that a person is not supposed to have regular steps on Shabbos. In Tashem Yishabbos Raglecha, you shouldn't walk quickly on Shabbos. So if the Rabbanon are running to Shul on Shabbos, they're doing the wrong thing, they're being mechal the Shabbos. But... Once I heard this, remember that we just said, a person should always run to its Vahalacha. A person should always run after God, go, uh, go after Hashem. Like the roaring lion. Now I joined, I jumped on the bandwagon, and I also started observing this practice of running to the shul. That's what Abzerah says. Now, this is one of my, I have this Gemara as a particularly favorite. It's a very interesting Gemara and perspective about what we can gain from positive experience. Abrab Zera says, Agra de Parka Rata. The schar, the agra, the reward for going to a shir is that you ran to the shir. So it's a very interesting Gemara because why isn't the reward for going to the shir the shir? Right? What you learned at the shir. So there's different interpretations. But I, one of the, the interpretations that has stuck with me a lot of times is that a lot of times we go to a shir and you fall asleep. You don't understand it. You didn't go in. Whatever. You forget it right afterwards. Many different things that happen. Why going to a shir doesn't seem like you gained anything from it. But, what, 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 but what's the agra? What's the takeaway? Not necessarily why does Hashem reward you. Agra can mean what do you have better? What benefit is there? The benefit is that you're a person who ran to the shir. And the running itself provides the intangible for the shir. Something that is so valuable in terms of shaping who you are that that's the takeaway. What's the reward of going to the big kala? The kala was the big shear that they would have pre-Yamim Tovim, is the feeling of, of being cramped in the room. 
So the schar of being cramped in the room, that's the, that's, that's the takeaway. That you'll, you'll crowd yourself for Torah. What's the, what's the takeaway of having a shmaitza when you go sit and learn halachas? So a lot of times you don't remember the halachas and then you get stuck in the situation and practically you don't know what to do. But you had the svara. Your mind was working. That, that's the takeaway. What's the reward of going to a mourner's home? Is uh, knowing how to keep silence. Being in an awkward position and knowing how to keep your mouth shut, that itself is the good takeaway. <laughs> Giving stuck on a fast day, that's the reward. What's the pshat, the most beautiful Marshal? Marshal explains that oftentimes we give stuck up, we don't understand what the poor person is going through. The one time that we're able to give stuck with more empathy, and that gives it to, to the, the level of the, of the mitzvah much greater, is the dafka at the end of a fast day, when we are very hungry. And in that state, a poor person comes to us, or we put a bunny in a pushka, and we think, hey, what does it feel like when you really don't have food? That's good tzedakah. So the entire takeaway, did you really think about the base of Mikdash today? Did you maybe pass the whole day by and you didn't have that much? Maybe. But you give a little tzedakah with some more meaning at the end of the fast day, the whole thing is worth it. This is an interesting one. The, the takeaway from the Hespedim, from the eulogies, is knowing how to wail, knowing how to have show emotion, express emotion of being sad about something. The reward of going to weddings is knowing to, what to say to be Mesameach, the Chasun and Kala, the kind words, the nice things that people say to the Chasun and Kala, the, the idea of thinking about how to make someone else feel good, that's the takeaway. That's the reason, really, essentially, why we go to weddings. A person who davens behind the shul, meaning he doesn't come into the shul and pray the same way that the shul that the tzibor is praying. He davka doesn't come in and he turns his face the other way. So he's called the rasha. It's not a problem. No, it's not a problem to daven outside of the shul. It's only a problem that his face is turned the other way. As long as his face is the same way that the tzibor is davening, less lumbar. We don't have necessarily an objection. It doesn't seem so nice. Why isn't the guy going in? But the objectionable activity is only when his face is turned the other way. And the idea is, it looks like he's believing in a different God than the Tibor. Because the Tibor is facing in one direction, and here he is, and he's facing the other direction. There was once a person who was standing in Davani behind the the Shua. He was not turning his face in the correct direction. He was actually facing the wrong way. Chalaf Eliyahu. Chazyeh. Elio was passing by. He sees him idmile ketayah. So Elio and Avi miraculously appeared to this person like an Arab. It appears like you're like you're almost an avodavid avodazara. Like you believe in two different uh, in de- deities. Like it believes like you believe in two different uh, powers because the shul is facing one way, you're facing the other way. Shalov sasra bekatlis. I found this gemara very puzzling. Elio like takes out a knife and kills the guy. You know, he takes out a sword and he chops and he kills him. So Elio exacting justice like that in this world is, is very unique, something like that. And I, 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 don't know, I wish I understood that, that line of the Gemara a little bit more. Says the Gemara, so that we continue, the reason why I continue this, we quoted a Pasuk about about the fact that the Risham turned the wrong way. So the end of that Pasuk continues, Krum, so kirum can mean different interpretations, but it can mean kirum, like things that are very high, rome, exalted, people degrade. So what is that a reference to? There are things that stand at the height of the world. But unfortunately, people don't realize their value, and people are just mezalzim. Rashi explains this is a reference to tefillah. Tefillah, when you dive in, the tefillah is ole lamala. It's berumo shalolam. It gets as high as it can be. It goes all the way up to heaven. But people don't respect it, and we're mezalzal in it. Does that, does that apply to in the shul facing the other way? 
don't know, it's a good question. So it doesn't necessarily seem to be as bad, but I understand why, why it would be, because outside it's only a problem of raising the wrong way. But it seems like in the Gemara that you need both. You have to be behind the shul, a chover beis and not face. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Yochan, Rabbi Lazar, Ami Trevayo, Kivin, Shinestarich, Adam Librios, is whenever a person needs help, he needs other people to help him. Pun of Mishtanat Kukrum, his face of his color, the color of his face changes like a krum. Shemar Krum is the Adam. What is a krum? My krum, because Rabbi Yochan, Rabbi Yochan, it's actually a bird. And it's out there in the distant places of the, of the sea. Bekarche Hayam, Ukrum Shemo, the name of the bird is the krum. The bird word, Kivan Shechama Zorachas, when the sun shines, the colors of the bird changed. I don't know if anyone of an art school to identify the bird. It reminds me a little bit of a peacock, but I don't think it's a peacock. A peacock just naturally has different colors. I don't know, the feathers. I don't know. It does, right? So it seems like there's some bird out there somewhere in the world that the sun shining changes the colors. So anyways, the, what? Anyone have a name? Starling. Okay, wonderful. Very good. So this starling, so this idea, that's a krum. So now this is, the Gemara is providing a different interpretation. Krum adam. The krum bird, this bird, the starling that changes its colors when the sun is shining, is represents the zlus of adam. That's what happens to people when they become degraded. We have different colors that change, and the Gemara gets very particular about what the colors are. When a person is humiliated, it's getting doubly charged. In what sense? It's like you're getting charged ish umayim. Ish and mayim are opposites. Fire and water. They're both painful. Drowning is painful, and ish is painful. They affect you differently. So when you have to do that, you have both. What does it mean? What's the muscle? So the Rishonim explained, because when you're embarrassed, you have two colors. You have red, so you get red, and you get white. So that's mamish what it is. There's ish and mayim. So it's like this idea of a person, the double humiliation, that you feel the colors changing within yourself. The ish and mayim, and that's so, the, the, the deep pain of having both. You placed a person over us, over our heads. It's as if we came in fire and water. So this is the idea of, of what a person feels that people are above them. The sense of shame, the sense of humiliation, of needing other people is considered to be a, a very, very, very uh, painful experience. Says the Gemara, A person should always be very vigilant with davening mincha. Why mincha? Eliyahu was only answered by Mincha. So this is by Eliyahu. The context here is by the Neviyeh Habal. There was a dispute about who the real God was. Eliyahu was trying to prove that it was Hashem. They made a test. Each one brought karbonos. And then the fire came to and consumed Eliyahu's car. When the both minchas were by Agesh Eliyahu by Yomar, Aneni Hashem Aneni. We echo this feel on, 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 on in Slichos. Answer me, Hashem, answer me. So we understand that it says it was Ba'alos HaMincha, the Mincha time. So, so the, it was Tfilas Mincha L'Eliyahu Navi was answered with. What is the double Lashon of answer me, Hashem, answer me? Answer me, that fire comes down. And answer me, that people shouldn't be cynical. They shouldn't say, oh, it wasn't really from God. It was just some sort of sorcery that Eliyahu had up his sleeve to make fire when it wasn't really fire. So Aneni Hashem, bring the fire. Aneni, bring the fire and make sure that people don't mock the fire. So the person should always be vigilant with Mincha. You should be careful with Arvish. Prepare my Tfilah in Ktoris in front of you. Masas Kapai, Minchas Orev. Now, what's going on in this Pasuk? The, the Gemara seems to be interpreting it. This is a Pasuk in Telem where David is comparing his Tila to the Ketorah in the evening. 
So, but the problem is, when was the Ketoris brought? In the afternoon. Not only that, Tyson Chavavim base says black and white that this Pasuk is a Makar for Mincha. So what in the world is going on? So the Marshal is a beautiful Marshal. He explains like this. Avadza the Ketoris Lefanecha is Mincha. But the Pasuk then says, prepare my tefillah right after the Mincha. Then right after the, right after the Ketoris is brought, there should be another Minchas Arif. And the Marshal explains that what the Gemara is trying to say is that not that Mairv is as valuable as Mincha. Avadza we've already proved. Elio was only answered with Mincha and Mincha is the most important tefillah. But prepare my tefillah right after the Ketoris, prepare my Mairv. And he says from here, it's very important to daven Mairv as soon as you can. The Zahiras for Mairv is that you shouldn't forget, not the intrinsic value. Mincha is greater Kayach, but Mairv should be right away. There are those who bring out from this Masha justification to daven Mincha Mairv Bishki, even though the better time is Lechatila to wait for later. From this Masha, from the Gemara, it's a justification that it's always better to daven a Mairv right after a Mincha. Rav Nachman by Yitzchak Omar after filas shachris shachris also has its power. It should be done right away. Shemar Hashem Boker Tishma Koli Boker Erech L'Chav So it sounds like it's happening right away. The morning comes, I daven, and then I wait for Hashem to answer. So it sounds like there's value in davening right away in the morning. So even though you know it's a funny gemara, you should be careful with mincha, then be careful with shachris, be careful with Meir. So be careful the daven, right? But that's the var. It's saying different points. The most powerful tefillah is mincha. There's another component that you should daven ma'ariv right away and also be careful to daven chakras right away. Says the Gemara, continuing what we said before, that there's value in going to a wedding. So we mentioned this passingly, that the value, the takeaway from going to a wedding is mili, the idea of knowing how to make somebody else feel good and say kind things. So the Gemara now continues in the, on, on the value of weddings. Let's say someone goes to a wedding, he enjoys the shmorg, the steak, but he doesn't bother dancing. He barely goes over and he says a quick mazazav and he bounces. Over bechamisha kolos. He has transgressed the five kolos of the Pasuk. So the Pasuk here is talking about the rebirth, the future redemption that we're going to have, the gu'ula. And the gu'ula is described that there's going to be sounds that are going to come. Eventually we will rejoice. It will be kol sason, one, kol simcha, kol chasan, kol kala, kol oimrim hodos Hashem tzvako. So the Pasuk is not talking about, you know, we always say this. It's amazing. We say this by weddings and everything. We're really talking about the gula. We're talking about the redemption. The redemption is described that there will be sounds of rejoicing and in those sounds of a chasan and a kala. So there are kolos that are associated and the glimpse of those kolos can be that we experience at weddings. So if you go and you don't participate in the wedding and you just enjoy the wedding, you're over on those kolos. You're transgressing the power of those kolos. Very interesting idea. This will be crystallized in a, little, in a few minutes. Let's say, no, that's the negative. But what if the positive? What happens good if you are to get Torah, which was given with also five kolos. on day three. This is a pasuk by Matan Torah in the morning. There were kolos who So we get another five kolos there. So you get Torah was given with five kolos. Frankly, Mar Inias, there are only five kolos with Torah. There's another pasuk we forgot about. It says everybody saw the kolos. So there's really six. So the Mar answers, Oh, some kolos to call them Torah habit. Those aren't extra kolos. There, the pasuk is just saying that the kolos that we talked about were even visible. But there were really only five kolos. That pasuk is adding that kolos were also visible. So bottom line is, you could be over Chamisha Kolos if you're not Mesebel Chasen Mekala. And if you're Ar Mesebel Chasen Mekala, you get Torah, which was given with five Kolos. Rabbi Yavo, Amr, Kilu Hikr Toda. It's as valuable as if you brought yourself a carbon Toda. Shenemar, Mevim Toda, Beis Hashem. That's the end of the Pasuk. Kol Sasen, Kosen, Chasen, Mekala. 
Those who bring a carbon to base Hashem. So if you can do that, it's an expression of thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So now we're already getting a little bit closer. That a wedding is our way, that all the participants' way of expressing thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's A. And B. This is really the deepest point. That by and Kalat says, if you're rebuilding the ruins of Jerusalem, and where is that Pasuk? That's the end of the Pasuk. So the Pasuk here is the key. The way that we're able to see Geula happen, to prepare Geula, to ready ourselves for Geula, to see the chair of events is by participating in weddings. The depth is, is that it's a sense of building. Getting married, building a home, this is something we do proactively, we're trying to build. Rav Kook speaks a lot about this in the themes of Tikkun, Tikkun Olam, that there's a lot of idea that there's human, that we propel movements of Geula to a certain degree. And the sense that we propel it is when we have weddings, when we go to weddings, when we believe in change, when we believe in the idea that, 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 that things can, that just because they're one way today, they're not that way tomorrow. All of those things are able to give us greater tzipioli Yeshua. We can believe more in Geula. If you believe in somebody getting married and changing and having a wife and so on and so forth, then you can also have more tzipioli Yeshua and then HaKadosh Baruch Hu can create it. So if you go to a wedding, you're doing two things. You're going to get huge amounts of Torah. You're going to have, it's like you think HaKadosh Baruch Hu and see, it's like you are rebuilding the ruins of Jerusalem. Anyone who has Yer Shemayim, people will listen to you more. So it's a very interesting thing. It's like advice. You want people to listen to you? Have Yer Shemayim. They'll respect you more. What is Davar? If you want to be heard, you want it to speak, you want people to listen. You want your words to be heard, just fear God. Fear God, your words will be heard. The Pasuk there finishes off. Because this is all of man. What does that mean? A person with Yer Shemaim, the whole world was created only for this person. He's equal to the whole world. The whole world was only created to accompany him, to serve this person. So many different nuances, but the point is that the value of a person with Yer Shemaim is great. Says the Gemara, if a person usually, when you pass him by, greets you with shalom, so you see that's, what, what does it mean a person gives you shalom? They're craving connection, they're craving human interaction. They want, that's the thing that they value and respect. You should make sure that when you're passing him, you say hello to him first. That will go show that you really care about what he's trying to give you. Shalom Shalom is something that has to be, that you have to seek. You got to find it. So that's like a small thing, being a one step ahead of the game. You know a person has what to give you, but he has what to give you is a good hello. So you make sure to give him a good hello first. If not some shalom, let's say a person gives you a shalom and eh, you don't care. I don't know who that guy is. I'm not really friends with him. So you don't say hello back. Nikra Gazlan, you're stealing from the person. It's like stealing from a poor person. What's the vart? What's stealing from a poor person? The point of Rashi explains, he doesn't have much for you to steal. But whatever he has to give you, the human connection that he has that he's trying to reach by saying, hello, if you don't give it back to him, it's stealing from the gift that the Ani has given.